TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 531, and I'm Libya, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom, and I check the Department of Communication at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer, TV enthusiast, uh, calling in from Los Angeles. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hey, this is Peter. Um, I live in Hollywood, and I write for WhySoBlue.com. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, I have the Julie Pleck and Kevin Williamson, who originally teamed up for the first three seasons of Vampire Diaries, are now teaming up again to do Dead Day, which is uh, and got a straight-to-series order at Peacock. And it's based on a comic about uh, one day a year, I believe, the dead get to come back and finish unfinished business. So, okay, cool. Uh, That's the only piece that I got. Tom, what you got? Okay, Amazon uh, Amazon has announced that Derek Jacoby and Mark Mark Gaddis will return to Good Omens Season 2. And uh, Sion Phillips is also joining the cast. Chris Evans and Dwayne Johnson are going to team up for Amazon's holiday movie original, Red One. Um, Apple TV has announced that Murray Bartlett, Diane Lane, and Yara Shahidi are among eight cast in Extrapolations, their climate change anthology, and Murray Bartlett is hot. He's also joining Physical Season 2 as Rose Byrne's rival. That could be funny in itself. CBS announced that Georgia Fox and Mel Rodriguez are leaving CSI Vegas. Dylan McDermott is replacing Julian McMahon as series lead for FBI. That's international, right? Or is it most wanted? It's, it's most wanted. Okay. Uh, that was quick. And they have re- they've given early pickups for Bob Hart's Abishola, Ghosts, and the Neighborhood. At the YOY, Grant Gustin is nearing a one-year deal to return to The Flash for season nine on The CW. That show needs to be put down like old yeller. Uh, sorry here, here. I'm watching but I'm not enjoying it oh, High School up. Musical the musical the series has cast Corbin Blue to play himself Meg Donnelly from American Housewife and Jason Earls from Hannah Montana to play camp counselors on the upcoming season 3 and they gave uh, Disney Plus gave a series order to Percy Jackson and the Olympians which we expected and Josh Dumel will replace Emilio Estevez as the new coach on Mighty Ducks Game Changers Hulu is taking the ABC comedy Maggie ahead of the premiere, which means it's shifting from ABC to Hulu. I'm not sure why. Uh, Netflix has won the bidding war for Lee Daniels' exorcism thriller with Octavia Spencer, Glenn Close, and Andra Day. I may or may not watch that, depending on if it's a big nope. Uh, Peacock is hemorrhaging money. $1.7 billion, twice that of, of 2020. They only uh, have why? Nine ma- Say what? Why? Let me finish. That's they only have <laughs> 9 million paid <laughs> subscribers but 24 million registered users because if you have Xfinity, you get Peacock Premium, a.k.a. the five ninety, the four ninety five plan for free. Uh, Juliana Canfield, Kendall's assistant Jess on Succession, will be the female lead of David E. Kelly's series The Missing. And Peacock canceled Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol. 
Showtime has also canceled American Rust, Black Monday, and Work in Progress. Did I watch? I feel like I watched American Rust. Well, you're not gonna anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Or I was gonna watch it. Uh, Oh, well. Whatever. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Discovery of Witches, and this is episode four. And in this episode, uh, the babies, the babies be coming. So it was, it was uh, basically Diana was very determined to get the last page for the book of life. And then, what is his name? Something Glass? What is that dude's name? Gallo Glass. Gallo Glass for some reason decides to admit to Diana his feelings in a slightly to the side way. And she's, I mean, I don't know what her, I don't know what he was expecting her reaction to be. Seriously. I I, I mean, she was, she was as compassionate as you could be under the circumstances. But, and then after he did it, he was like, woe is me, I now have to leave. And I was like, well, you did admit your, like, if he had kept his mouth shut, he probably could have stayed. But after he admitted it to her, yeah, he was, he pretty much needed to leave. And then we had the babies, the boy and a girl, very, uh, tropey. But, uh, I was like, are we going to super grow these babies? Because these babies are going to be boring for a while. Oh. <laughs> you mean like the rest of this season? Ooh, I said it. Wow! <laughs> go, go, Tom. Go, yeah. Tom. If you're gonna, if you're gonna three, start there, it took me three attempts to get through this episode. It was now, not granted, that bad. One of them, one of them was at night, so I was tired. But it's a whole lot of nothing. They talk about stuff, and they talk about stuff, and they dude, talk about stuff. Dude, and the, the most, ex- the most exciting thing happens off screen when the dude gets killed. It's like, really, guys? Really? I don't know. I was waiting for those babies to pop. So I was, uh, yeah. I, I was, because she basically, the problem with her being that pregnant, because she was like as big as a house during most of this Seriously. episode. And, I bet she had twins in real life. Yeah, I mean, no, that her stomach was ridiculous. And like, she was using it as a coaster. She had like plates and stuff on her <laughs> belly. So the fact that she's finally had these babies, I'm like, okay, now... And I think that was part of the reason why you might be feeling that not that much happened because she can't, she couldn't get into the action while she's got yeah. these babies. So now the babies are here. She can, she can actually have fights and and do magic and do stuff. So I, I'm, and I saw one. I was glad that the babies came, but now I'm also glad that now she can get her roll her sleeves up and do some stuff. So I'm okay That's with excellent. it. Yeah, you know that's an excellent point. I. I think, I, I think I like the series the most out of all of us. And I don't even love it this season. I will say this to Tom. I asked him off podcast. Um, I think that, you know, and you were like, I don't know, which is, you know, worse, you know, season two or season three. And then Allison chimed in. I think that season three is better than the parts that we hate the beginning of season two uh, and, and, and not as good as the end of season two because because I will agree that I'm a little middle of the road I will agree that it's pretty slow this season I think uh, Libya made an excellent point I think practically speaking real world speaking they had to sideline uh, Teresa Palmer uh, Diana our character uh, you know the lead of the show one half of the lead of the show the co-lead um, of the show. Yeah, yeah, one half of, you know. So so that being said, uh, I do believe it's a practical thing. They didn't really give her much to do or could do, uh, you know. And then this whole, like, 
chasing down the horcruxes or whatever. It's just like taking too long, you know, the different pages of, of the tree of life, uh, or, or sorry, the book of life or whatever. I think they needed to get three and I think they're done now. I yes. don't know. There's yes. Only- they, they have yeah, all three. Done. They have all three now. Right. So there's, there's only three and I lost count. That's how boring. <laughs> so I, so I was like, Oh God, are they going to find the next page? That being said, it is the last season, uh, I believe of the whole series. Uh, I don't, it's not that I don't care how they ended, but I'm listen, I'm on the train. I need to get back to the station somehow. So whatever it is, uh, they'll drop me off and then I'll kind of decide, but I don't think it's as terrible as Tom is saying. I mean, maybe it is. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think this is bad. Uh, but I will say this, um, I, the Glasgow thing, I think, you know, again, I, I, I agree with you, but you know, he had been egged on. And I mean that in a in delicate, nice way by the other demon guy, you know, basically saying, you need to act on this. You need to say something you need to, you know what I mean? So no, he I told, think- he actually didn't tell him to say something. He told him to move on with his life. What he told oh, him was, sorry. yeah, sorry, he sorry. was like, you can't I, hold I, I, on I, to this and I, move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just meant that he was compelling him to do something about it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't just lurk in the shadows in pain. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, he took he took that and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do about it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and then once he did it, he realized, yeah, that wasn't the best idea. And now I have to go. <laughs> now I have so, to go. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that's okay. But I love that relationship or that, you know, and, and like you said, Diana was very tactful about it and sensitive about it. And I think she admitted right in that conversation that she knew that she'd kind of always known. Right. No, that- no, no, she didn't because because she didn't realize he'd been watching her her entire life. Oh, right, right, right. So right, she there. didn't. It, it was like once she he dropped that nugget, then she was right. like, oh, then right, she got right, right, right. it. But no, right, she didn't you know. know the whole time. No. Okay, that being said, I'll just wrap up by saying that I have always liked his character, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved, you know, the, you know, I mean, the pining one-sided love is a trope. However, I just, I did like it. Um, so now I'm sad and interested to see what happens, you know, with, with after admitting it and how that gets resolved, if at all. Um, because I thought it was very, very sweet and respectful. And, you know, it kind of did make me sad that, you know, he has to leave. He gets admitted. And, you know, it's the forlorn sidekick kind of a storyline, which is fine. Anyway, that being said, I'm not I'm, there's no way I'm going to stop watching the show uh, or the season. Uh, and, you know, it is a bit slow, but I don't think nothing happens in it. All right, Allison, Allison. I, I, you know, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this episode. She gave birth. Gallo Glass left. A uh, guy got killed off screen, and that was pretty much the entire. Um, I, I really, yeah. I mean, you know, the, there's at least in the next episode, stuff happens. It's stupid stuff, but it happens. Um, but in this episode, really, it was just let's park and watch her deliver kids i was you know, okay with that I, I was i was invested yeah i was, okay with it too. Yeah, I was invested I was, I was interested to see how they came out like oh are they gonna be like doing witchy things right away are they gonna have like fangs i mean i'm exaggerating but yeah no i i, I enjoyed the anticipation of them being but we, we, we like, yeah but we need to move on we need to move uh, on uh, all right next up we're gonna talk about superman and lois and this week's episode they finally reveal whatever the monster is at the bottom of of it's- the mine I, I got to give them props for the fake out because they'd been teasing Doomsday, 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 and it's Bizarro. And I'm like, slow clap, well played. Yeah, they, guys. they even, she even, she even she said, said it. Yeah. This episode. Yeah, she totally did. She said what name? She actually said, she said Doomsday. Doomsday. 
She oh, was like, right, right, oh, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's brilliant. But the thing is, if you know the Death of Superman storyline from the uh, early 90s, they put the creature in a very similar costume to, than the one when he first appears in the comics. And then when they, when they, when they took him out of the costume, it's like bizarre. It's like, oh, aha, you got, to, you got us, you got us. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know the bizarro storyline. Uh, oh, so Bizarro is a flawed clone of Superman. Um, you, he, he historically he's been played sometimes for laughs and comic relief, but the problem is he was originally. I mean, depending on which version of the, there have been multiple versions in this, you know, in the eighty some years history of Superman. But anyway, he's got Superman's powers, so he's a threat. He's not as smart, and. Uh, so hence the you know I mean Smallville even did a version of Bizarro, but yeah it's it, it was a really it was a really cool bait and switch. So uh, I give my my hand I gave them the slow clap as I'm watching the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the episode was good overall, um, and I did I, I I'm kind of slightly invested in the teenage uh, angst. Yes, a little bit. I mean, she's like, oh my god, I kissed a girl at band camp. And and he's like, we can never be together again. And then he finally was like, alright, well, you know, maybe you can still be my girlfriend. I mean, some of that felt overly dramatic. But they're teenagers. Like they, teenagers are overly are dramatic. Teenagers. I know. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you know, I hate the whole, you know, I mean, I don't hate, but you gotta be really, you gotta, you gotta be really good. You know, you got The storyline can't be annoying the kids, you know, whatever. Um, but, and I see what you're saying, but I actually thought that rang pretty true. I mean, yeah, like, it did. It felt like, it felt like know, real teenagers. So yeah. And, and, you know, the fight between, again, I, I you know, I, I go, I lean into this because it is really part of the reason why I like the show so much. I want to say real quickly that I, I was not loving this season a little bit. And I kind of thought, oh, you know, is this going to be sophomore slump, whatever. But this episode, I thought, kind of brought me back into it. Uh, you know, the twist on the drugs, you know, for the, the brother. Uh, well, I always forget his name. Jonathan, my thing about oh. this is that I feel like, I get why he, he wants to enhance himself, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's got a family of superheroes. Everybody's a superhero. Exactly. But exactly. I, I'm like, dude, you don't think they're going to notice? Like, that's my only issue. Well, let's see how it plays out. And yeah. plus teenagers. You know what I mean? He's not thinking that way. I mean, I find it even even very realistic that he's kind of always been the one that's like, I'm okay with not having superpowers, which I can't believe he is. But it does it does fall in line with his character, the way they've right. set it up. This Just, is the kid who sneaks his girlfriend into his bedroom and his dad's Superman. I mean, he's not the smartest right. well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> not the sharpest crayon in the past. Cool. He's, he cool. but, but wait, let me get back to the realism thing because I find that like it still stays within the bounds of, of his character because it's like he only wants to do it because he it, he's so passionate about football and and you know what I mean and like it just I feel like for him to break the like I need superpowers or I need help it's very realistic for a teenager you know what I mean and and he's not thinking straight about anything you know so but the other thing I because I, you guys can talk about the bizarro and all that other stuff I literally I have no idea where, what that was and so I was like oh my god is there a zombie superman and I was like what <laughs> I, I do not want zombie superman I was like please do not mix our genres so that being said that scene between jonathan or is the other son and and superman about how he's like 
like, I love her, you know? And Superman's like, oh, God. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I want to tell her my secret. He's like, you're yes. six. He's like, I'm going to marry her. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> it was so realistic. And I thought it was so hilarious because I thought, man, Superman's got to, like, kill aliens and deal with his, like, you know, all this stuff. And now he's like, wait, I got to deal with my extra hormonal kid and his, like, thoughts of marriage. And, like, the, the look of, like, sort of res- resignation and sort of, like, you know, sadness and frustration and just kind of like, okay, we're going to have to have this talk. You know, I just thought, well, that's really realistic. It really is. And so their balance of, like I said, of the human family drama thing. And again, I will say this and I'll, and I'll leave with this statement. Do not care about the other family. Do not care. About <laughs> oh my God. Family. Yeah. Yeah. I just so don't care. So that being said, they don't do all family drama. Well, but I'm going to give them a pass on that because I think that the, you know, the, 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 the human, you know, family drama side of Superman is, is really so important for me to c- continue watching and liking it. Uh, and so I do, I really think they do a beautiful job of balancing it. I want to wrap this up real quick and um, move on. Um, I think we've said everything needs to say about that one. But uh, next up, we want to talk about Wolf Like Me, and we're going to wrap this series up with episodes four, five, and six, mainly because they're only 20 minutes long. So it feels like one episode anyway. Um, I will say that I I love, for the most part, how they dealt with everything, and everything generally surprised me, except for... Leading in episode, when they decide, let's go on a trip to the desert the day before the full moon. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, that I was, was wired. Go wrong. I was like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me. Like, come on, guys. I hadn't even, I didn't even hit play on the last episode and I already knew it was going to happen. And it pretty much happened exactly like I thought, which was, oh, my God, their car doesn't start. What are they going to do? They're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. What and are she, the odds? I know. I was like, oh. Listen, I have driven a car, a used car, for 20 years. And, and, and let me tell you, my current car isn't isn't even, like, 10 years old. And I carry a suitcase charger. That that was plot service, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was really disappointing because I was like, really? You know, but I'll, I'll let all of you talk. I'll just talk about the very end, very end, and you guys can go backwards. I thought it was really beautiful. There was a lot of face acting. There was a lot of score. Oh, that last um, that last five yeah, minutes was just one yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, it was really beautiful in a way that wasn't like treacly or like you know. I mean, you know, I really wondered like how are they going to you know do the reaction of this, the fallout, and the daughter having an anxiety attack after realizing that her now sort of new mommy, you know what I mean, is a werewolf and has murdered two people in front of her. And, you know, and her having that just full on panic attack, I thought, yeah, that's super realistic. I was like, but they were bad people. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, no. I just mean the the, the violence of it. Yes, exactly. Conveniently enough. But that being said, after she has the panic attack and they've escaped and, and, you know, and she's got, you know, pseudo mommy in the back naked after having killed two people. uh, And I really wondered how are they going to do this? That isn't like cheesy or cliche or whatever. Anyway, I thought it was beautifully done. Uh, No dialogue. Everybody's faces. And it was really it was really cool to watch everyone's faces change so subtly, you know what I mean? From shock to like processing to like, you know, faint smiles and kind of this anticipation of, you know, it kind of mirrored my anticipation of like 
the next season, you know, sort of like the shock of what happened. And then I was sort of like, yeah, this is going to be cool. I can't wait to see how they're going to deal with the aftermath, you know, in the in the real world. So, I mean, their real world. So that being said, I thought it was a wonderful way to end this a quirky, weird, interesting, uh, you know, with some some slight. You know, there was that was not the only cliche or plot service of the of the thing, but it it wasn't perfect, but it was so new and different, and I thought they really ended it well. Uh, Allison, you go next. Okay. Well, um, I you know, first of all, do we know that this is going to get a second season? We do because not. Know. I thought it was I thought it was perfect <laughs> the way it ended. I I'm perfectly happy with it ending like this as just you know a contained story and a fable type of thing and you know it just it just ends with that little little you know bit at the end we don't we don't need to follow them any further the the whole point of it was them forming a family and that's what they've done so um i was okay with that i i also to a point even though i was kind of screaming at the tv going why are you doing this why are you making this choice um i could i could also understand uh, that the characters would make that incredibly dumb decision to go driving out in the desert just when they did, because really the history of both the characters is a series of bad choices. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, they, they really, they, they're, they're likable characters, but they make dumb decisions over and over again. So it, you know, it was, it was in character. I, I accepted it in, in that sense. Um, I thought that it was, terribly convenient that they had the guys who confronted them at the end both be terrible dangerous human beings um rather than just some poor hapless I, I, yes that's what i thought i thought it was a tow truck driver and i was like oh no yeah. the tow truck driver's gonna get it yeah yeah exactly you know and and instead they 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 uh filled it with some convenient last minute villains so you were okay with with what happened and uh, and the thing is, it was a little bit predictable. I figured that you know by the end, this, she would she would accept them as part of her pack and wouldn't attack them, you know, based on that. And that's that's in fact what what they did. So I mean, it's it, not nothing that happened was a surprise, but I still liked the way they did it. It was it was yes predictable, but on the other hand, it was sweet. It was beautifully acted. I thought that the the characters were very well developed. Um, I liked everybody. I I was happy, you know, with with the way it ended. Nothing was surprising about it, but it was still, you know, kind of like comfort food type thing. Yeah. It's like okay, there's nothing surprising about this, but it makes me feel warm and cuddly inside. <laughs> so yes, I'm happy with that. So yes, I think it's a it's a really good series. I was really, you know. I had a good time watching it. I think it, it, but but part of it was its brevity. It didn't overstay its welcome. And that's why I kind of hope it's not going to get a season uh, next season, because I really like the story as it is. Uh, Tom, your thoughts? I'm sure, however, comma, (laughs) (laughs) network and streaming television being what they are, yeah. They will have to do more episodes because it's Peacock. What else? This is like the best thing they've had in a while. <laughs> That's and true. And what else they got? And they're hemorrhaging money. No, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, Yusun and Allison pretty and Olivia pretty much said everything I wanted to say. I did. <laughs> you can't say that they didn't try to warn them, the bad guys. And, you know. <laughs> You, got, you, you forget the Australian Outback, you know, that's where Mad Max territory is. So uh-huh. <laughs> strangers pull up in a big old vehicle. They're not probably meaning any good unless it's got the uh, 
the Australian Automobile Association uh, well, logo on it. My, my thing is, why were they so surprised that they wouldn't open the door? I was like, you guys are giving me scary vibes. I wouldn't open my door either. They're like, why won't you open the door? Why are you being rude? And I was also, like, why wouldn't they just break the window? Like, they just kept trying the door handle. Like, that's the best way to break into a car. <laughs> like, Take your shoe off or go back to your truck. I'm sure you have tools to break a window. Yeah, I, was, so I thought that was coming. I thought that was the next thing that was going to happen. But then, that would be the smart thing to do. Yeah, but then they got eaten, so it doesn't matter. So, um, let's move on. We're saying thumbs up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Peacemaker. And what, what episode number is this? Somebody? Is this uh, episode five, four? I believe? Five? Five. All right. So, what did you guys think? I thought it was I thought it was a fun episode. Um, it's It still hasn't really found a groove yet. But I, I'm enjoying it. I mean... The big reveal at the end of last uh, of the previous episode was that the uh, uh, the dude who's running the this this special team has a butterfly inside of him. So I was surprised that they went there already. That Adebayo found out at the end of the episode because she's playing with Peacemaker's one of Peacemaker's helmets. It's the one that has the X-ray thing. And as soon as she looked at him, she saw the butterfly, and he must have known he was being scanned because he attacked her. So. Uh, so some of the other stuff, um, I don't know. I just, you know, don't get me wrong. I like James Gunn as a writer director, but I think again, a, a complaint I've had with some of the other shows. I think sometimes when you have a filmmaker come to television, they don't quite know how to how to plot out a, a series or a mini series because it just seems like. You have episodes that are have lots of stuff in them, and you have episodes where they're just kind of on a, on an elliptical or an exercise bike marking time. So, you know, it was, you know, it it is, <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, one thing I actually just forgot we didn't mention in the news. Uh, uh, you just said the guy who created this show, and I blanked on James it. James Gunn. He just announced that uh, Peacemaker he thinks is going to get a season two, but he also has a spinoff in the works a, a spinoff or I, I had read somewhere that he has another project he's developing but he wouldn't say what it is it's like yeah Ooh. yeah but it's 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 uh it's in the same universe so it's a spinoff well it's the dc we're still well, in the it's DC, a dc universe, universe. Yeah, yeah but i mean it's suicide squad related is suicide squadish yes okay but but king not shark <laughs> nah, that would be awesome actually i would watch was, king, yeah i, actually I would watch like king it. shark all right uh allison your thoughts um, I, I like the episode, although I am confused as to, you know, the what, what we're getting at, what the end game is for this. Um, we know once they did the reveal that Mern had a butterfly in his head, uh, it, it kind of casts all his decisions in a really confusing light because he still seems to be genuinely trying to 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 sabotage what the butterflies are doing and going off and sending his team to go kill them and and all of that so it's it, unless we find out that there's like a separate faction of butterflies who are against butterfly war butterfly <laughs> wars um that's that's the only thing i can think of you know as it's it, because otherwise the, his 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 reaction to things seem a little unclear and we've been drawn you know it's we're already up to like episode five so i i would like more clarity than that if that is in fact what's going on 
but I did I did enjoy the episode. I thought it was, you know, they it was it was just filled with a lot of action and a lot of humor. I like the bonding that they they are continuing to have between the characters. You know, the, this is the this is the episode where the the lot of them really form a family and acknowledge that. They they really rely on each other and accept each other. So they're working as a unit now. And and I I appreciated that. And they also brought in um Christopher Heyerdahl as some very weird like hired gun. Um, I was about to say, is he a bad like guy? That. He's always a bad guy. He's always a bad guy. Seriously. <laughs> He's a wonderful actor, but you know, when you look like that, you're going to be playing a lot he, of villains. I've seen him play a sweet... Or, or an alien. Yeah, but he plays sweet really well, and I, I like want him to play a sweet character again. He does, but you know, the the last thing I can think of where he was playing a sweet character, he turned into a villain anyway. So. That's true too, but he played the sweet character very well. He did, you know. Well, I think also it's if you if you put a beard on him, he's he's a lot less scary looking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so so he's in this in this case he's he's just straight up villain, and uh, you know I'm 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 not sure exactly how far his character is going to go in that in that line because he's been told to hold back to try to be subtle whatever that means for him. But <laughs> I'm, I, I'm in, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the show. It's funny. I just would like to have a better idea what, what the end thing is for this. So I'm a little <sighs> curious there. All right. Uh, so wrapping that up next up, we're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett. And this was called the return of the Mandalorian. And, I and will, Boba Fett was nowhere in sight. That's true, but what I'm going to tell you is one of my friends watched the show and it took him 15 minutes to realize that the Mandalorian was not Boba Fett. He was like, wow, his costume looks weird, and why is his armor so shiny? And he he watched it for 15 minutes before he realized that that was Mando. And I was like, wow. Okay. But anyway... So for the rest of us who watched it and, and, and knew immediately, like even before he swiped past the curtains, just from his silhouette, I was like, oh, that's Mando. Because um, they showed his, you could see his spear. And so I was, I was really liking it. And I liked the, the whole feel of, you know, I can bring you in warm. I can bring you in cold. You know, like I like the, the callback to the first episode and it just, it felt so different and so epic compared to Bubba Fett. And as I was, and I, as I was watching it, I realized that this is what I was, what Bubba Fett was missing. I was like, this feeling that I get when I watched it, I was like, this is amazing. But actually yeah. I want to start with Peter because he hasn't literally talked at all yet. So uh, I'd like to know, what did you think of this episode, Peter? Yeah, I loved it. I thought that... Um... I thought that Bryce Dallas Howard, I see that now people have gone online saying that they want, because she's done a, a number of episodes now, of, of Mando episodes, okay. and they've been pretty good. And so now people are like, they want, they think she should get her own, like, Star Wars trilogy or something. And, I mean, I'll say this, her stuff is certainly better than her dad's solo movie. Um, <laughs> oh! <laughs> burn! Burn! Uh, and to be fair, it's better than it had a right to be, dude. To be fair, to be fair, his her dad was brought on after the other directors were fired, so it's sort of a Joss Whedon. So it's not completely Ron Howard. I mean, I'm I'm poking a little fun, but I mean, like I'm just. I, but I think she did a great job. I think the thing that I liked the most about the episode 
which might sound controversial, especially uh, between Tom and I, because Tom and I often uh, argue about George Lucas, was that I thought that this, I thought it really felt like the kind of Star Wars that Lucas was interested in. There's a whole section where Mando meets, I think it's, is it Amy Sedaris? Yeah. On, on yeah. Tatooine? She recurs on she recurs on Mandalorian. She's a recurring character. Is it Amy Sedaris? Is that who it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And the whole sequence is basically about these two characters talking their made up gibberish about a spaceship that is like you know tweaking it because he doesn't want it. He's like, ah, oh, it's a hunk of junk. She's like, no, this is really this is really good. And obviously, it's an Easter egg because we've seen that ship in the prequels. Mm-hmm. And then they're building the ship, and then the speed at which the ship goes. All that stuff is the kind of things that George Lucas with American Graffiti and the Star Wars movies, he was always interested in like, well, for him, it was like cars and then spaceships. But it's that love of like a person with their vehicle. And that really reminded me of like the kind of stuff I really liked in the Lucas Star Wars stuff. And I I just really I just took to that. I love when he gets the ship. He gets the ship all the way out in space. And there's two X-Wing pilots uh-huh. That was one of them, I guess, Libya told me off podcast, one of them is the guy who was the stand-in for Luke in the finale. Is that right, Libya? Yeah, he was a Luke Skywalker stand-in. The other guy, I think, was in season two, right? Yeah, Amanda? he was from Kim, yeah. Kim's Convenience, that guy. Yeah, um, but I loved it. I just, I thought, yeah, and I, also the other thing I really liked, too, is that I think that... I like how, and this would be more of a Dave Filoni thing, that, like, I like there's a conversation that Mando has about he wants to see Grogu, and the woman who always makes his armor She's is, like, literally well, called the armorer. The armorer. Oh, the armorer. <laughs> so the, the armorer is, like, oh, well, you know, um, the armorer is, like, well, like, you know, Jedi's are very big on like they can't have any attachments or anything. It's like that's just not the Jedi way. And and he is like, well that's like the opposite of us. And it made me think that I was like, well that's kind of interesting. I like the notion of like what a Mandalorian is is a very different kind of lore than what like a Jedi is. And I thought that was great. If I have one thing I didn't love about the episode, the tiny thing, and yes, they did establish it in previous Mando episodes is it was so obvious to me that the other guy basically was going to want the dark saber. And I was like, Oh, come on. I was like, do we have to do this fight or whatever? That was the only thing that I was like, clearly Mando's going to win. Like, I don't, there's nothing. I, I have no tension here. It's a good fight. And I liked that notion that the saber, you have to go with the saber so, like, it's harder for you, sort of, if you're not worthy. Like, that was kind of interesting. But, honestly, he's a very one-dimensional character. I have no stakes with that guy. I don't care that he's, like, well, that that was in my family. I don't, I'm like, I don't care. You're not Mando. Like, so, <laughs> that was the only thing, which is a script thing, that I kind of rolled my eyes at. I, I, I'm going to argue with you on that, is I actually really liked showing the difference between Mando wielding the Darksaber and uh, Vizic wielding it, you could tell the difference. Like, Mando could lift yeah, it with one... that could be anybody. No, but, but I also, because I watch Clone Wars, which, if you watch Clone Wars, it has more stakes. 
And the thing about Filoni and all those guys is they reward the people who watch Clone Wars. They give it, it everything has more texture. And that scene had a lot of texture for me. And Whoa. because you didn't you didn't watch it, you didn't get the texture. And I understand that you're like, well, I should only have to watch this. I get that. But the show has very much been about this is a continuation, live action continuation of Clone Wars and Rebels. But to so. follow what you're saying, wouldn't it make more sense... For him to battle Bo-Katan, that would have stakes. No, that's going to be season three. That is season three. Uh, I'm just uh, saying, like, uh, that would have stakes for us. We'd be like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, but I'm saying that's the, like, that's that the season. But I know, but that's season three. That's not a Bubba Fett episode. That is a season three Mandalorian. And that's gonna... Yeah, but I, I agree with Peter that it just felt like like filler. You know, the, it's like, why am I watching this fight? Because we know what the upshot of it is going to be. There's, there's no right. question that he's he's not going to suddenly lose the dark saber right. to a minor <laughs> character that we've right. been introduced to five minutes ago. No, we, he was from season that, one. I know he was he was also in season one, but you know, I mean, we, there's we know him from maybe three lines of dialogue. So there's no chance that this is going to happen. And also, in terms of the the, the logic of the storyline itself, they've already told him that now their group. Um, Only has three people. three people. I know. Yes. <laughs> so, no sense to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and that yeah. But this is the way. Are, but but <laughs> the way is also apparently relying on each other. And if there's only three of you, killing off one just so yeah. you can get his weapon, just really. Well, I think. But, but what they did um, show is that the armor did step in before anybody had to kill anybody. So I think yeah, even if it was a reverse. She would have stepped it in. Not, it did not seem like that she was going to step in when uh, he was going to kill the uh, Mandalorian. Like, it really didn't. I was like, isn't she going to step in? And I, I really don't. I mean, maybe she would have, but it, it, the scene was not shot in a way that you thought, oh, she will. But she did step in in the other way. And I thought, well, that's not fair. And and I, I, and I want to say this. Um, when she asked him, you know, have you ever taken off your helmet? I was like, please don't tell the truth. Like, <laughs> you knew he was, though. Of course, he's not gonna lie. And and, no, no, and I mean, to no, be and there were too many people in that room when he took his no, helmet listen, off. Listen, I'm not saying it would have it would have worked. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm, I, and I'm not saying it isn't part of his character. I just didn't. I knew he was gonna get thrown out. But I love his sad little walk when he walks. <laughs> yes. He's not a Mandalorian anymore. Yes. Oh, I, I, I was like, oh, you know, I mean, he's honorable. So but but they did set up but they set up a way for him to come back in yes, to redeem of course, himself of course of course i just didn't want him to do that walk of shame i was like oh man so i mean you know you guys said all that i feel like about the series uh, the show so i mean the episode so okay. but i just wanted to all right tom real quick because we got to move on when a mando loves a Grogu. <laughs> no, no, no. I take it back. You're not allowed to talk. We're moving on. We're moving on. As happy as I was to see Mandalorian, it just it's the opposite of a backdoor pilot. It's like, you know, Boba Fett was a spinoff of Mandalorian. And so we rewind and give Mando the whole episode and then... The other supporting character from Boba Fett shows up at the very end. 
mean, yeah, it doesn't do Boba Fett any favors because it no, really accentuates how much Mando is way better of a show than yes. Boba Fett. And I thought, yeah. yeah, this is not a good look for them. I, you know, well, and, especially and, when you when you know that it's a limited series, it's got eight episodes, and yet they they had time for devoting one entire episode in the middle of it <laughs> to another series altogether. It's like. It, it's, I would say it's the best episode we've watched so far. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the episode of, of that. It's kind Maybe of like the episode of it's like episode of Galactica 1980 that had Starbuck in it basically for the whole episode, and the other characters just show up at the very beginning and the very end. I yeah. don't know what you're I, talking I about, but we, but we but we need to move on. We need to move on. We need to move on, guys. Uh, overall, I'm thinking we are saying thumbs up. This is, was an amazing episode. Oh, yeah. The Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we're going to talk about the season premiere of Resident Alien. And this was the premiere of season two. And one thing I will have to say is I had to take two. It took me two tries to finish this episode because and I was like, why am I not enjoying the beginning of this? And I realized it's because. Alan Tudyk's character is in a coma and his personality is all messed up and he's not himself and he's not at the center of the story. So they put the sheriff and the mayor with his obsession with kinks and whatever the heck's going on with him. Um, And all of that was so boring to me. Like I was like, I cannot know this does not work. And it wasn't until you get halfway through the episode where he starts to get his memories back and he's himself again, that I was like, oh, here's the show I like. And then the show was fine. But that was like 20, 30 minutes of, I don't know what that was, where I was ready to fall asleep. So I don't think this, I like, I get that they crash land and they want to have some repercussions from the crash. But I feel like this was not the way to do it. It was not a strong premiere. I mean, by the time I got to the end, I'm excited about the season. Absolutely. But it took it took it, it meandered to get there. Uh, anyone else? Uh, I, I apparently it. liked it more than you did. Okay. Um, I I thought that the beginning was was funny. Um, I liked the bits also where Harry is is just you know rambling on crazily because he can't remember who he was and and giving lectures in the in the hospital about the you know where his planet is and that kind of thing. Um, I thought all of the and running off with the little kids, uh, octopus stuff plushy, um, all of that I thought was was funny. Um, this the stuff with the townspeople maybe not quite so much, but I I mean I know that they're part of the show and they're trying to give them more something to do. Um, so I was I was okay with it. I was I I thought there was there was a lot that was funny even in the beginning. Of course, it gets better as soon as Alan Tudyk is is more the focus of the show um you know he's he's great and his character is hilarious but i i was i was fine even with the with the opener i thought i thought it was a funny episode i'm gonna come down in the middle because um i also thought the beginning was a bit of a chore and i don't have a problem with any of the things they touched on including the 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 uh, uh Sorry, the the people, you know, uh, the families and stuff. Uh, but I will say this, and not because of the 
kink factor. In fact, I thought it was funny and it made sense. That couple is so boring. And the fact that, you know, having to fight off intruders kind of like, you know, spiced them up and kind of got them hot for each other, whatever. I did actually think that was pretty funny. Uh, They just let that gag go on way too long, way, way, way too long. And you know what I mean? And I thought, dead horse, move it out, you know? Literally with the horse tail. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, but I will say this. Uh, like all y'all, I, I, or, or I don't know, it definitely, definitely found its groove by the end of the the season. Uh, sorry, the end of the episode, and I, it exactly, Libya, it did make me excited for the season. But again, in the beginning, I thought, oh god, sophomore slump. But the other, but the but the thing that reminded me of the, it, but it reminded me of the thing I liked about the show. It took me a little bit to get back into the rhythm of the beats of the humor and the acting and all of that stuff, and it just was a a nice reminder of why I like the show because it's such a breath of fresh air it's different you know the humor is different but even like the you know the the pacing and the uh the timing of the jokes clear you know obviously no one's arguing that Alan Tudyk makes the show um but but I will say this I um I don't that kid he's bordering on annoying to me um and he wasn't in the first season so I do I this is a terrible thing to say but I kind of love it when Alan Tudyk's character curses out the kid because it's like he's like you're so annoying and you you know you made me you know crash my ship and I was like he did you know he did so for me uh I think the relationship between him and the kid still shined that was a you know a plus for me in the first season um I am just a tiny bit worried uh less so because they they kind of picked it up at the end of the 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 episode but um you know I do hope and oh and they gave some more depth and background to the sheriff you know what I mean he's in just a one-dimensional you know annoying cowboy hat wearing you know whatever um so I I know what they're doing it's second season now we know all the characters now we're going to get even more background and depth and you know blah 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 so I do have very strong hopes for the second season with just a little dash of worry but it is really refreshing to have it back because it is something that I don't think we get on many other shows right now so you know hopefully it'll be all right thumbs up I think overall, even though yeah, I'm sure. very cautious about the beginning. But all right, next up, uh, we have Legend of Vox Machina. And Peter, why don't you lead this one off? Yeah, so I had heard of the Legend of Vox Machina had been getting some good reviews at some sites um, I go to. Uh, and so I missed last year's Invincible, which I know everyone really liked on Amazon for an animated series. So I was curious about this. And then I... I dived a little further, and so apparently um, it's based off a streaming web series on YouTube called Critical Role, and what Critical Role is, and it's kind of pun on the name, is that, you know, in Dungeons & Dragons, a Critical Role, you know, R-O-L-L, so they're using the name Critical Role as in role-playing, and what it is 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 it's a guy, sorry, I don't know, but he's like a, he's kind of a voice actor, D&D guy, and he basically – the web series is basically him and his fellow voice actors every week would get together and he would be the DM and he they would do Dungeons & Dragons. And the voice actors like Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, like it's a lot of people that are in a lot of animated stuff, a lot of video games. Um, and so I guess it's been so successful that Amazon essentially took that and like, well, let's make it into a show. Um, and I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, it's very much, and I could see why it comes from a web series. It's very much like 
the voice actors are having fun playing D&D type characters, but their vernacular is very new. You know, so obviously they can be they can have profanity and they can they can just have like things that they can talk the way we talk now, but they're in a fantasy setting. The first two episodes basically to me works as like an extended pilot where they basically are, you know, a ragtag group that have to defeat a big dragon. And so that's basically the first two episodes. They premiered the first three. Uh, me and my girlfriend only watched the first two. Um, I, I think I'm on, obviously, what, I want to see what Tom says. I think I'm on board. I don't love it, um, but I do like the voice actors because of anime and games. I Again, Ashley Johnson, who actually, I think, was on Blind Spot as an yeah. actress, but I know her as... Ellie from The Last of Us and Laura Bailey, who's been in a ton of games and stuff like so I was like, oh, I really like these voice actors. So um, so I'm I'm on board. I think it's OK. I'm curious to see what Livia might think. I think it might be it's not I mean, I'll, I'll stop. So Tom could talk. It's not it's not meta, but the dialogue is so contemporary that and anachronistic. Some, yeah, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I was like, there's a Kratos type character that's. That's, he's a Kratos slash Drax character that swears a lot. And sometimes I think it's funny, and sometimes I think it's distracting. Sometimes I'm like, eh, you can tone that down. Um, so, Tom, why don't you tell me what you think? It was fun. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of R-rated cartoons. So, but aside from the the, the gore and the violence, it has a lot, it, it has a lot of humor. So, um, it was fun. I mean, I'm not a big D&D fan, so... I mean, I've never played, and my students are like, what? It's like, don't go there. It just didn't happen. It was the 70s. Nobody taught me. My parents were glad. Uh, but I, I, I thought it was fun. It just kind of subverts your typical tropes of, you know, your your quest tropes that everything from Lord of the Rings to Wheel of Time has been using and puts it, you know, mixed with laughing gas and, uh, and a dictionary of uh, urban... <laughs> of urban uh, what what's the urban urban dictionary you know there so um yeah it was fun all right uh next up we're going to talk about uh the after party which is which premiered on apple tv plus and they dropped three episodes but i'm wondering how many episodes did you guys watch i watched the third one because you said oh it's the musical episode so you skipped yeah. the second one no, I saw three. Oh, okay. I was like, when you I'm said that, skip them. I was, I was confused. <laughs> I was concerned. Um, so I really like the premise of it because, I, and when I say the premise, I don't mean like telling the story a bunch of different ways from from different people's point of view. Like we've done that before. What Where's I like, on? yeah. What I like about this is they use that to have different genres to like. Like, when they asked the pretentious woman at the beginning, he was like, they were like, is this some sort of French experimental movie that's going on in your head? And then uh, when you get to the second episode, he's obviously thinks that he's in an action movie, and more specifically, a Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, mm. And then, because he's like, it's all about family, and I just started laughing. And then the third one is a musical. So I really like that they just use this to have different genres within the same show and telling the same story and you get to try to figure out who the murderer is. So I am I really like this show. I thought it was great. All right, next up, who who else have comment has comment? 
Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought I, you know, it was it was sort of like um, Rashomon done with privileged stupid people, um, and, and <laughs> you know, and and then using different movie genres on top of that, which I thought was hilarious. Um, they're just they were. It's a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself remotely seriously. Not even a little bit. Oh no, the acting is completely over the top, um, and and uh, you know, this there's just this attitude of you 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 feel like it's winking at you you know while while it's <laughs> perform while they're doing the whole thing um but i i thought it was great and they do get the genres so perfectly they they really do from just that little black and white independent film that they have going on when <laughs> indigo is is giving her version which which was so great and her character is hilarious it's just she's i was like is she high over the top like what no, is... she's just one of those those really obnoxious people. oh my um, god yeah. she was like Completely. i want she's like i want us all to stop drinking other animals milk and then we all drink human breast milk and i was like first of all who's gonna be milking people to make enough milk for everybody ew. <laughs> i know I ew. so it's just i was like from a logistical standpoint it doesn't make sense that's all. Well, it's funny because um, that joke was also on Superstore, and I think it's funny how it it somehow works as like the pretentious person thinks this <laughs> is something to do, and then on Superstore, it's kind of this goofy guy. It's kind of the goofy idiot who's like, "This would be a great idea for a business," and I was like, "So it's just funny to me that I was like, ah, oh, it's funny, like you could like how ridiculous that would be in both of these settings." Um, you know, I will say I got to give credit to Libya. Um, I watched the pilot last night and I was like, yeah, this is all right. Like, and then I talked to Libya and she said, Oh, but the second episode is from Brett's point of view. And he thinks it's a fast and furious thing. And I was like, okay. I was like, that might be interesting. Like, and I did, I like, I think for me in the first episode, the extremeness of the characters, like, I'm fine with them being like, like Allison said, Rashomon was stupid people. I, I'm fine with that, but it was just, it just felt so obvious. But then when I got to the second episode and you see how it's his point of view and you're right. And they play up, you know, family and all those things. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, I, I, I think this is kind of funny. I haven't seen the third one yet, which I heard is more like a musical, uh-huh. um, but I'm, I'm on board now. I guess my fear was, I don't know if I can do eight episodes of the same event over and over again, but it feels like it's not exactly that. Each one feels very different, I think. Yeah. I I, I want to piggyback on what Peter said, uh, because I only saw the first episode, and I was not interested at all. And I remember being in a different room, not, 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 not casually watching it, but just, I was like, oh, I got to get a drink, and I didn't feel like pausing it. And I remember thinking, as I was walking back to the television in the room, I thought, am I going to hit unpause or just stop? I was like, I really, I was like, I don't, this, and the Rashomon thing has been done a hundred million times. Uh, and even the after party, like someone dies at a party and then, you know, it's like, 
I don't know if Hangover was that theme. I can't remember, but it was like in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, there were like 19, thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, nineteen thousand. What the hooker dies at the party. The blah 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 dies at the. And I thought, oh my god, I was like, they're trotting this out. Um, it's it's so as I'm old looking, as Agatha Christie, basically. Alana, yeah, Alana yeah, Glazer exactly. was who's in this. Alana Glazer, who's in this, literally was in a movie that the uh, Rough Night with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, That's the same it, premise. Exactly. So I will say this. It's really it's really encouraging to hear that you guys are saying it gets better. And also, I love the idea that uh, in, to, to make the Rashomon thing not so boring, uh, that they give you a different genre. So that, to, to speak to what you're saying, Peter, about I don't know if I want to watch this eight different versions, that is what I thought, too. As soon as I saw this, I thought, no way am I going to watch this again. It's like watching eight movies, you know, from the 80s or, or the 90s or whatever. So that being said, and the other thing is Sam Richardson, who I do love, Who's but Sam if he, the 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 main guy who was in love, he did the rom com the, in the first episode. Yeah, he did the rom com. Mm -hmm. so oh, he, go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. No, I just no, said, oh, go okay. ahead. Okay, so so the thing is, if I I actually like him, right, a lot. But he literally plays the same babbling, shy, you know, awkward character. If he had a nickel. For every time he got paid that, he would be richer than Jeff Bezos. And I think, uh, however, that being said, he won me over. Like, I thought the story was sweet, and he's so likable, you know, and, and, the, and the story just was very sweet, even though it was completely cliche. Uh, after 20 minutes, I kind of relaxed into it, and I thought, Ugh, let's see what they do with this kind of a thing. So by the very end of the first episode, uh, and remember, I did not know that it gets better. I, I haven't had any conversations with anybody. Um, I did think, okay, I'm going to give this a chance, you know, uh, but that being said, uh, I, I am I, like, it needs to be really decent because I'm not interested in, you know, midlife crisis -y kind of crisis, you know, uh, uh, reunion movies. I'm not interested in Rashomon movies. I'm not interested in people dying at parties movies. Like it has everything going against it. So unless the, the, the delivery method, which is the different kinds of movie themes, and then the characters actually win me over, I don't see myself watching this but but maybe i mean you guys say it's good so i'll definitely get i'll make it to the musical episode because i love musical episodes all right I let's talk about really i was well. gonna say let's talk about the musical episode tom go ahead yeah just before that um here's and and peter alluded to lord and miller the the creators of the show who also were the original directors of solo before lucas oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, and they also did 21 jump street oh, and 22 jump, jump street, jump street. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of their comic sensibilities unless they're animated. <laughs> the animated stuff, their animated stuff I like better you than their live action stuff. So I thought the pilot was weak. Episode two was better. I really could have done without the... They literally... they uh, the, the guy... Uh, oh, I can't think of the actor's name, but he looks like a taller, not as good-looking Mark Wahlberg. Who are you talking about? Oh, the one who plays Brett? The yeah, one he plays works for me in the second episode, but I've I've seen him in other stuff that I liked. Yeah, yeah, no, well, no. Let me let me finish. He reminds me. I could have done without the the little the literal urination contest between him and <laughs> oh yeah, and, right, right. Uh, Dave. Um, oh, the the brother of what's his Dave face? Franco. Dave Franco, who I can take in small doses. So that's the, I mean, that kind of potty humor. It's like, eh. yes, yeah, the, the third episode was my favorite because Ben Schwartz has been a favorite of mine since Parks and Rec. Um, so 
I don't know if the premise can sustain itself for eight episodes, but I like the cast enough. And Tiffany Hottish is, uh, you know, she's, she's good. She's doing her thing. I mean, I yeah. loved her in the card counter where she did something beside. She she played something different. Yeah, she played the love interest, but she could do this part in her sleep. But she's funny. I mean, she is truly funny. So you know, it's it's no uh, it's no schmigadoon, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Wait, I mean, is it? When, the when musical is a... not trying to be schmigadoon, though. I mean, that's not no, the. No, when you say it's a musical, no, but when you say in terms of or, or and it's no only murders in the building either. So it's kind of unfortunate that, oh, the first episode especially, I was thinking, man, this could have been really good with better writers. <laughs> but what was your question, Wait, Peter? Is, it, is, is When you say, I mean, I guess I'll watch it tonight, but when you say the third episode is a musical, do you mean it like um, the Buffy wants more feeling where there's no dialogue, everything is sung? Or do you mean oh, no, there are musical yeah. moments? Yeah, I there, mean, like, no it's, it's, a, it's a musical in that people break out into song, like, Oh, okay. All right. I was yeah. just wondering. Yeah. It's so... Whenever it goes to his, uh, to, to Schwartz's uh, recollection of the of events, it, um, there's a song. His narration is a musical. Right. Okay. And okay. so that's that's when people will just randomly break into song. Yeah. And Tiffany Haddish is not having it, and he of course doesn't care what he, he wants. Yeah. He he still <laughs> he still sings anyway. So I thought it, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. All right. So let's wrap this one up. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Archive 81, and we're going to talk about Episode 3 and 4. Episode 3 is called Terror in the Isles, and Episode 4 is called Spirit Receivers. And in Episode 3, the big deal is Melody and Dan finally kind of, like, meet face-to-face in the rec room, and she thinks that he is a, a, lives a, a resident. A tenant. A tenant, yeah, at the place. And he's very confused because he was like, I was just in the lab five seconds ago. What's happening? Um, and, and I don't quite understand how they're meeting face to face, but it's it's kind of cool. I really I like their conversations, and I like how he's confused and is trying to figure stuff out. Um, and then also at the facility, he's trying to um, discover how to get into that room. It's got a it's got a combination lock. Well, not a combination, you know, a, a keypad. And he's, like, trying to figure it out. I was like, dude, that's going to take you forever. But fortunately for him, someone else did it. So he finds a notebook. Someone else was crazy enough to be that obsessive. Yeah. Yeah. How convenient. Yes. Well, I mean, it kept us from watching him go through 5,000 combinations. Seriously. Um, But I thought all of that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, And he does, it does start, if you were seeing this from the outside and not knowing what he was seeing, you're like, is he going insane? Like, mm-hmm. like, is he starting to lose his mind? Um, so what do you guys think of Terror in the Isles? Was that the episode where he calls his friend? He calls his friend every episode. Well, but is that the episode where, where creepy benefactor comes by and sees his friend, or was that episode four? That's episode four, I believe. Okay. No, it was, it was good. The I'm eager to find out what's going on. I mean, it is it like dark that if there are certain places you go, you can shift in time, time or right. this seems to have something with dreams and that thing, stuff coming out of the TV monitor, that freaked the crap out of me. So. Yeah, every time it looks like an <laughs> and it looks like an alien. It does or a demon or something. It looks mm-hmm. like something really bizarre. And 
Allison, you want to talk about spirit receivers? Um, That's when she yeah. really sees the cult for the first time. Okay, yeah, because I'm trying. I'm trying to to sort them in uh, your mind. My head yeah, so I, yeah, I finished. I finished it completely. So I'm trying to. That's well, the seance exactly. episode, right? Okay, that's yeah, that's the seance. seance. Okay, yes. Okay. 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 Um, yeah this this episode was you know mo for for most of the series, I think it's just a matter of of this intense sense of dread that they they work up, and there's what not that? a lot in the way of gore or you know things that explicitly happen well they gave into a little of that in this episode um, yeah they did uh, yeah um and it was it, it actually kind of irritated me because we've got this this woman who's who's doing a séance and they're clearly you know, pushing for specific information and somehow Nobody is getting suspicious about. I this. know that was so. She's like, so what did they know? And what's the code? And, and I was like, wait, are they trying yeah, to like and, break and into a safe? Copy? Yeah. Are you sure they don't have a copy of this video? You sure? You really, yeah. really, really? How about Seriously. doing a seance so we can talk to somebody and ask them? Do you know where the video is? And it was like, you know, um, uh, come on. But yeah, they go through all of this, and and then you know they start doing the seance for um, Melanie for Melody. And and she wants to know where her mother is, and you know she she's not found in the spirit realm, but something else is, and I I, I think it's pretty obvious that the the well she she actually, I was gonna say nothing was obvious to me in that seance. Well, she starts channeling the the convert literally the word for word like she's looking at a script conversation between Melody and Dan. That so was crazy. It was bizarre. I mean, she's literally, it's like this time traveling seance weirdness. And then something else comes through and she starts tearing at her face. And it was, it was so creepy. Um, but what annoyed me was that here's this woman who's just like ripped her, her face off with her fingernails. And Melody keeps asking her, but but did you see this? I know. They're literally loading her into the into the the ambulance, and she's still asking her. But you know, did you see this? Did and you... then she had the audacity <laughs> to show up at the hospital, wait for her to wake up, and keep asking questions. I yeah, was and like, she wow. asks her, could, could you try it again? No, I'm not trying it again. <laughs> she's wrapped up like a mummy. She looks like she tore her eyes out too. And sure, she's gonna get right up and do that. It was it was just so I mean, I guess in a sense it, it made sense because Melanie is not she's so focused she's really not connecting, but it didn't make you think more of the character. Yeah. It, it truly did that. not. Uh but I thought the the episode I think one of the things you hit on, which is how disquieting the show is, and part of it is they have this hum that's like under everything. And it's part of the story where when, whenever you're in the building, there's this, like, hum that really rakes on Melody's nerves. Like, it really gets under her skin. And then especially, and you find out that, like, there's a whole floor of just, like, homeless people that are just literally constantly doing that hum. So it, it permeates the building, and it permeates all the scenes, and it starts to kind of, like, get into your psyche. And it's really disconcerting. And I, I I, think that this show does such a good job of just filling you with dread and unease. Uh, 
for everything. Yeah, I I agree, and especially I think whoever did the score and whoever did the sound editing uh, needs to get all the awards because yes, it just goes right through you at this this intense visceral level, mm-hmm. um, so that you you're feeling what the characters are experiencing. I I usually don't go through you know I see I see a lot of uh, a lot of horror movies and TV shows, and most of the time I I don't really react to much of anything unless it's a jump scare and for this i was really like getting this sense of dread while i was watching this you know i was i was like you're you know, my ed- fingers were digging yeah, into the chair exactly i was um, like you're on the edge of your seat and you're just tense through the whole thing yeah yeah so good good for them i mean they they did a great job where that was concerned and a lot of that is done through the music yes all right I think that's it. I think unless, oh wait, Tom, do you have any other comments about it? No, just I agree with everything Allison says. It's just I'm engaged. I'm looking forward to finishing the series and see this. This is a this is a show. You know, Discovery of Witches would have showed them <laughs> would have showed them going through all the different permutations of we got to crack the code. The whole act out of that. <laughs> Whereas this one is like, oh, look, I found a notebook. It's got everything. And when she thought that he had stolen her diary, woo! Oh yeah, he was like, yeah. no, it's all. She's like, what did you do to it? He's like, uh, this is like thirty years old. Sorry. And he, when he and when he tells her she's dead. Oh, whoa, that was great. That, that was, was crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I am looking forward to this, and it's one of those shows that I don't binge binge like. I can only watch about one or two episodes at a time, and then I have to take a break. Even though it every episode ends on a crazy cliffhanger, you're like, oh my god! But it's so intense that I'm like, yeah, I, I need to take a break. So, I, I like the pacing, too. So, thumbs up from me. Alright, so wrapping that up. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, sci-fi.radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.